But I'm going to read something to you into you here, and I want you to listen very attentively to it. Listen, it says, God is love, so we love. God is kind, so we show kindness. God gives, so we are called to be generous. What does the image of God have to do with Christian generosity? Everything, guys. Romans 8 and 32 describes a generous God who wants to graciously bless his children. James 1 and 17 reminds us that every good and perfect gift comes from God. John 3.16 teaches us that God gave his only son so that we might have eternal life. How generous is God? He gave his only son. Now listen to this. When you were knitted together in your mother's womb, being formed in the image of God, you were wired. Listen to me carefully. You were wired fearfully and wonderfully for generosity. In a tangible and intentional way, you were made for this God, for you were made for this God's generous nature, for God's generous nature is imprinted in you and me, in our souls. So when you are, so when you see hunger, when you see injustice or inequality around the world or around the block from where you live, that part of you that's touched and moved or disturbed by what you see is the part of your heart beating in tune with God's heart because those things move the heart of God. Anytime that you find yourself cold and indifferent about what's happening in the world and society around you, you better check your heart, check your confession of faith because those who belong to God, you're going to have God's heartbeat. The Bible says he made us in his image and his likeness. And he's a generous God because he gave his very best for us. And so as a result, we who are born again believers should operate in a spirit of generosity. Can I get a witness? So as we look at uh, 1 Chronicles chapter number 28, I want to uh, just impart this into your hearing. And just uh, the text says this, David summoned all the officials of Israel to Jerusalem, the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of the army division, the other generals and captains, the overseers of the royal property and livestock, the palace officials, the mighty men, and all the other brave warriors in the kingdom. Look what he says in verse number two. He says, David rose to his feet and said, my brothers and my people, it was my desire to build a temple where the ark of the Lord's covenant, God's footstool, could rest permanently. I made the necessary preparations for building it. But God said to me, you must not build a temple to honor my name for you are a warrior and have shed much blood. Verse four says, yet the Lord, the God of Israel, has chosen me from among all my father's family to be king over Israel forever. For he has chosen the tribe of Judah to rule. And from among the families of Judah, he chose my father's family. And from among my father's sons, the Lord has was pleased to make me king over all Israel. Verse five. And from among, and from among my sons, for the Lord has given me many, he chose Solomon to succeed me on the throne of Israel and to rule over the Lord's kingdom. Now, as we approach this 28th chapter here, and we're going to go into the 29th chapter in a little more in detail, but as we approach this 28th chapter here in the book of First Chronicles, King David is about to leave off the scene. He's getting ready to 
to relinquish the throne to his son, Solomon. Okay. Uh, Solomon, an inexperienced young fellow, is going to take his place on the throne. However, the assignment of constructing the temple as God had directed still needed to be completed because God had gave the direction. But it's just the fact that David wasn't the one that God was going to choose to get it done. He was going to use his son, Solomon. And guys, I will tell you, sometimes in life, God may give a vision or a direction for something. And maybe we're not the one who's going to ultimately carry it out. But we may be the forerunner of the thing that God showed us. Even in your own life, guys, we got to make sure that we are we have a listening ear. We got to listen with the heart of with, with a heart of of patience and listen with a heart that is tuned into God. And the, one of the ways that our hearts get tuned into God and to begin to allow his thoughts to permeate our mind is that we have to we have to delve into his word. Uh, let the word of God renew our mind. And so as it renews our mind and gets down our hearts, then we're more receptive to hearing the voice of God. Now, there are many times God will share things with us. Um, and I, I don't, it's not necessarily an audible voice, but he'll speak to your spirit. And sometimes we call it something told me. How many of y'all ever said, you know, some, something told me to call you? Well, let me tell you something. If you're a born again child of God, God will speak to you and move in your spirit. And don't quit calling it something and quit call, call it what it is. The Holy Spirit is moving in your heart and saying, call and go minister to that brother or sister. So David, David understood here that as God had spoken to him, that, that the temple was going to be built, but he was not going to be the one to get it done. His son Solomon was going to get it done. And I like, you know, Solomon started out good. And we know that he had some challenges along his way. But when Solomon was pr- approached by God and God asked him, what is it that you want from me? Ask anything that you want, Solomon, and I'll give it to you. And as I told, as I, I preached on that time and time again, many of us would have asked for riches and wealth and, 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 and asked for our enemies head on a platter. But Solomon did not ask for those things. Solomon said, God, I just want the wisdom to know how to govern all these folks I got to govern. Because Solomon had saw, amen, his, 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 his father David, Solomon had saw other rulers uh, 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 trying to lead people. And how many of you know leading people can be a trip? I guess being a trip is my 1980s word for the day. It keeps coming back up again. Leading people and dealing with the various personality bits in a local church congregation or in a nation can be a trip. But God calls on us to lead. God calls upon us to stand tall in faith and and carry out his his word in the way that he wants it to be carried out. So but apart from so so Solomon, Solomon didn't ask for his his enemy's head on the platter. Solomon didn't ask for uh, wealth and and, 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 and honor. But because he didn't ask for those things, he he said, I just need the wisdom to know how to deal with all these people I'm getting ready to, to have to govern over. And God, the, the Bible says that that saying so pleased the Lord that not only did the Lord give him wisdom, can I get it with this? But he also gave him wealth and riches also along with it. See, let me tell you something. God does not have a problem with a believer having wealth. He just don't want the wealth to have the believer. See, what we do is, 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 is in classic cases, when somebody goes to the extreme on a teaching, we throw the baby out with the bath water. We like, well, God, when all it's, it's more spiritual to be poor. It, listen, God can use you whether you're poor or whether you're rich. 
But if you got more, then you are, you're, you're positioned to be able to help others, right? Because we know that to be generous, you don't have to have a whole lot because Paul, as he wrote to the church at Corinth, to try to deal with that fleshy church to get them to follow through on their commitment that they had made, he, he brought up the Macedonian churches and the Bible says they were what? Very what? Poor, but they abounded in what? Rich generosity. And they gave far beyond what Paul expected. They gave of themselves to the Lord first and to Paul. So he, so you don't have to have a whole lot to be generous and you can have a whole lot and be generous or you can, you, you can have a, you, you don't have to, you can have a, a, a little and be stingy and tight or you can have much and be stingy and tight. How many of y'all know some people got some relatives that, 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 that make, a, make the eagle on a quarter holler? Is there an eagle on a quarter? It's on the dollar, isn't it? All right. How many of y'all got some stingy relatives? How many of y'all know some stingy church members? Guys, what I'm trying to, what, what I want you to see is, is God is trying to utilize the material possessions that we oftentimes crave to get to the heart of the matter. And we're going to see that in just a second. Now look at your notes here real quickly. And some points of emphasis I want you to, to just kind of dial in on as we go through this scripture text. True, true generosity flows out of an understanding that God owns everything. Can we repeat that? True generosity flows out of an understanding that God owns everything. Everybody says say everything. So whatever I have, I got to stop talking about my money, my house, my car. God bless me with it. And, and guess what? If I am a child of God and the Bible says that if I'm born again, believe I've been what bought with a price. I've been bought with the price. So I need to glorify God in my body, and my spirit, which belong to him. So if I belong to God, then whatever I have belongs to him also. Is that correct? Let me say it again. If I belong to God, then whatever I have belongs to him also. You know, how many of you have children who sometimes think they run your house? Anybody? Uh, and, and they'll quickly say, I'm going to my room. As if they paid the mortgage on that house and they have cornered off that place right there and they don't want mama or daddy to come in my room. Why are you invading my privacy? I got news for you. News alert. You don't own that room. And whoever owns that house has the liberty and the privilege to bust up in there anytime they get ready. And I believe a, a parent that's doing their job is a nosy parent. Because your children will be diving into stuff that they don't have any business diving into. If you are naive and you, are, you, you, you easily bamboozle, hoodwink, stupefied, whatever you want to call it, you better learn how to take your rightful place and say, this is my house and I need to know what's going on in the house that the Lord has blessed me with. Can I get a witness? And so since we are God's house, Let me come over here. Since we are God's house, he has a right to know what's going on in his house. 
Our bodies are temples for the Holy Spirit. And so God wants to know what's going on in his house. Can I get a witness? So true generosity flows out of an understanding that God owns everything. Next thing is, it's God's economy. In God's economy, good stewardship is by, by nature generous and joyful. Everybody say generous, generous. and joyful. Amen. See, when you learn the, the, the secret of the spirit of generosity, when God urges you and releases you to bless somebody, and it don't have to be just in monetary issues, you can bless people with your time. Amen? So, so don't get this twisted. But, when, but, but it says that in God's economy, good stewardship is by nature generous and joyful. So when you give, it's not like it's a, a, an angst and heartache. You get a joy out of blessing somebody. You get a joy out of helping someone. And that's one of the things that we are, we've been honing on is the fact that we as a church have been called to be generous in our spiritual walk with the Lord. We've been called to bless the community at large. And that doesn't happen if we don't have a spirit of generosity. So in God's economy, good stewardship is by nature generous and joyful. It directs his resources toward his purposes and for his people to deeply enjoy. The Bible says God has given us all things to enjoy. So we can enjoy life at the same time having the right perspective of the fact that everything that we have belongs to God. I said everything. Everybody said everything. Everything that we have belongs to God. Third point of emphasis, if we want to understand generosity biblically, we need to see stewardship in a new way. Less as a reluctant obligation and more as an exciting opportunity. Because again, most of us, if we're honest about it, grew up in a, in a, in a, in a, in a faith construct or a, a culture of faith in the middle of our churches where giving or, or being generous was something that people didn't necessarily uh, wake up in the morning and, and try to decide, who am I going to be generous to today? Most of us grew up in a culture where we said we're going to keep everything that we have and we're going to make sure nobody takes advantage of us, right? And, and if we were asked to give, sometimes we gave how reluctantly. But the Bible tells us that, that, that God loves what kind of giver? A cheerful giver. And we learn how to give with a spirit of generosity. We will be cheerful when we do it, and we won't find ourselves uh, giving reluctantly or giving out of obligation because we now have the right mindset. So, so when we, look, when we look, look at this thing, apart from the blessing of the Lord, as we get back into 1 Corinthians 28 chapter, the people could not hope to succeed in in this monumental endeavor that they were charged with doing, which was building the temple that God had assigned for them to do. Leaders come and go, just like people come and go, but the Lord remains, and it is the Lord whom we must please. Everybody say, it's the Lord who we must please. Now, in this 28th chapter, we're going to see some things. First of all, we see, number one, that David challenges the leaders. David challenges the leaders. He assembles the leaders in Jerusalem and, re- and, and reviews for them the story of his great desire to build a temple for the Lord. Are you with me today? Now, it's good for people to know the heart of their leader and how God has worked in his or her heart. That's why I, 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 I try to 
share with you when God is dealing with me on an issue or a thing, um, I, I want to share that. And we'll share some of that uh, uh, here in the future. Uh, but I want you to know what, what, God, what God is speaking to my heart about. Because ultimately, guys, as I said before, God placed me here 33 years ago to shepherd this flock. As I've told you all oftentimes, if I go back 33 years, calling Doyle Adams to pastor this church just didn't make sense physically. It didn't make sense physically, but it did spiritually. Now think about this for a second. How many of y'all would have voted to call a 25-year-old newly called preacher who hadn't been called but less than a year to come and shepherd a flock? You would have said he's too young. He don't know what he's doing. Those folks going to run him out of there. Come on, talk to me. It didn't make sense in the natural, but when we follow God, oftentimes what, what doesn't make sense in the natural is actually God's will. Because God will take the foolish things of this world to confound the wise so that no flesh can glory in his presence. So it can't be, well, our church is doing this because we evaluated. We, 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 we don't want to select the best candidate based off of the resumes. And, and now he's here because we did our due diligence. No, it wasn't that. God moved on the hearts of some seasoned saints, some of them who still here today. Sister Marjean Galloway sitting right there on the second row. Sister Eva May Henry sitting right there. Sister Faye Lapkin sitting over there. I don't know if y'all voted for me or not, but, but anyhow, I'm here. I think maybe you did. Well, if you didn't, that's okay. You've always supported me. Can I get a witness? And we had those season saints who went into prayer because it didn't make sense, but God knew 33 years later we're going to be doing what we're doing here today. God knew that 33 years later we're going to move from the middle building to one little single building over there and we're going, to, we're going to build a fellowship hall. We're going to build a new church. We're going to build a, the den and we got some other things in store to do the work of ministry. I didn't know. They didn't know, but God knew. And that's one thing I've understood. I don't have to understand everything that God is doing. I just got to trust that he will provide. I got to trust and know that he's going to do what only God can do. That is, he can take the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Why does he do that? Why does God take the insignificant, the less, less endowed, the less gifted, and use it to, to bring him glory so that no flesh can glory in his presence? Because many people will glory based off of their degree. They'll, 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 they'll walk in, they'll think they deserve the glory because of their skill sets. I'll tell you right now, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trusting God. And I find out if I trust God, he will provide. And he's done it for 33 straight years. And we're going to keep on moving. I won't be here for 33 more years. I don't know how long I'll be here, but it probably won't be, it won't be 33 years. I won't do you like that, amen? Because in 33 years, I will be at the right old age of 92. And at 92, I need to be sitting down somewhere trying to pour into somebody else. I love y'all, but I ain't hanging around in that too. <laughs> Are y'all with me today? So, so, so watch, watch. So, so first of all, David challenges the leader. He assembles the leaders in Jerusalem and reviews for them the story of his great desire to build a temple. But David, David emphasized that it was the Lord 
who chose and anointed him and who chose Solomon to be his successor. Who chose him? The Lord did. Now, everybody has their system and their ways of doing things, but if you are in prayer and you can, if you, if you learn how to discern the voice of God when he's leading you, first and foremost, understand this perfectly. God will never lead you in opposition to what his word, revealed word says. So if you're praying about anything, if you're praying about uh, uh, hooking up with somebody who's not your husband, that ain't the Lord. <laughs> Obviously. But maybe it's not, it's not, maybe it's not that dr- dr- draconian, but maybe it's, it's, it's uh, you, you, you're thinking about changing jobs right now. And you're trying to discern the will of the Lord. Right? And most people will say, if there's more money, that's the Lord's will. But I just told you, it's not about money. We got to learn how to trust God. Sometimes we are run after a job that really wasn't the Lord's leading, but we ran because we were running from something. And y'all ever changed job because you were running from something? Nobody, okay, let me come to this side. Any of y'all ever changed job because you're trying to get away from people who you thought were, they just, they just, uh, I can't work with them anymore. Anybody been out there? I need some hands. I need some witnesses. Anybody ever move position, move departments because you couldn't stand working with somebody else? And really, when you look back on it now that you're more spiritual mature, it wasn't all them. It was a lot of you too. And God was trying to keep you there to perfect some things in you and God placed you next to somebody who, who was like salt in a wound to you because he was trying to deal with your attitude. Because some of us have attitudes and we don't realize that we got, we got those blind spots. We think we're oh, so spiritual, but then we just, we just kind of hell to work with. So leading of the Holy Spirit is something that you have to, you have to, you have to learn how to discern the voice of God. And God will never lead you in opposition to his word. God will never lead you in, 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 in a way that's going to cause shame to be brought to his name. Are you with me today? So, so, so David emphasized it was the Lord that chose him. He reminded the leaders of God's covenant with the house of David and of their responsibility to obey the law of the Lord. Let's get back to, let's, let's read a little bit. Come on, let's go. Watch this. Watch this. First, first Chronicle 28. I got to move. And let's look at verse number four. Text says, yet the Lord, the God of Israel, has chosen me from among all my father's family to be king over Israel forever. For he has chosen the tribe of Judah to rule. And from, the, from among the families of Judah, he chose my father's family. And from among my father's son, the Lord has, was pleased to make me king over all Israel. And from among my sons, for the Lord has given me many, he chose Solomon to succeed me on the throne of Israel and to rule over the Lord's kingdom. Verse 6 says, he said to me, your son Solomon will build my temple and his courtyards, for I have chosen him as my son, and I will be his father. 7 and 8 says this, and if he continues to obey my commands and regulations as he, as he does now, I will make his kingdom last forever. So now with God as our witness and in the sight of all Israel, the Lord's assembly, I give you this charge. Be careful to obey all the commands of the Lord your God so that you may continue to possess this good land and leave it to your children as a permanent inheritance. 
Now, guys, it's, it's important for us to realize that God had given them a land. They had to go over and possess it. But in order to continue to possess it in a rightful, prosperous way, they had to obey his commands. Now, listen, God saved us. He delivered us from our sins. But if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves slipping and not being obedient to the commands of God. And you can't really be obedient to the commands of God until you know what the commands of God are, what they are. And you can't know what they are until you spend some time studying his word. Study to show us to prove unto God, a workman who needs not be ashamed, who does what rightly divides the word of truth. If you can rightly divide the word, that means you can what? Wrongly divide it. So it, it's discipleship is something that we uh, are emphasizing as a ministry here because Jesus told us to go and make disciples. So he, he, David, first of all, challenges the leaders. Second thing David did, David charges Solomon, his son. Look at verses 9 and 10. He charges Solomon. Verse 9 in this text is, and Solomon, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors. How? Learn to know the God of your ancestors. How? Intimately. Now, I would submit to you, I believe that there are people who are saved, but don't really know God intimately. How many of y'all know people, but then there are others that you know intimately? And intimacy doesn't mean of a sexual nature. It means a close covenant-type relationship. Are y'all with me today? He says, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. That means there's a learning process if you're going to have intimacy with God. Just showing up on Sunday does not cut it. I love you. And I thank God for you being here, being online, but just showing up once a week on Sunday does not cultivate intimacy with God. It would be like me trying to cultivate intimacy with my wife and I only talk to her once a week. How many of y'all ever tried to date somebody and you only saw them once a week or once a month? And you didn't really talk about anything deep. Ladies, how many y'all, how many single ladies do we have in the house? Single ladies, come on, come on, I, I, I love my singles. Oh, widowed, singles, widowed, okay. Now, if you're single or widow, if, you, if, if, you're, if you're dating somebody, you need to develop and find out what his emotional intimacy is like. He's got to talk about more than you look good, girl. I ain't never seen nobody look like you. You're the finest woman I've ever seen. Oh, you look good, girl. What do you think about things that's happening? I don't know, but you look good, girl. <laughs> I ain't never seen somebody as fine as you. You look good. He... <laughs> What's up there, that big knucklehead of yours? Do you, can you talk about something besides I look good? Can you talk more about than just what we're going to eat? Tell me what moves you, what drives you, what's your passion. And furthermore, tell me about your relationship with your God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. My heart hurts sometimes because, you know, sometimes, uh, ladies and y'all, I'm not not picking on you, but don't get so desperate that you just choose anything. (laughs) 
And men, 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 come on, men. Men, don't get so desperate that you just choose anything. What does she talk about? What's, what's her family like? How, how does she share and express her emotions? Does she ever talk about anything besides her Gucci purse? Her Louis Vuitton or her red bottom shoes? Where is her depthness? What moves her? What's her passion? But she likes to shop. That's her passion. But you, baby, you better, you, better, you better find something more than shopping. Because shopping won't keep the relationship. So what happens when you get laid off and, and the money's tight? I hear y'all out there. I hear you. I hear you. Notice what the Bible says. And Solomon, my son, learn to know the Lord, know the God of your ancestors intimately. An intimate relationship with God does not happen absent a prayer life, absent time in his word, absent uh, um, covenant connection with other believers. Because we need other believers uh, 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 in our life to challenge us, to, to move us along, to help us be what God calls us to be. No man is an island by himself. We need each other. Remember unity, I need you. We all need each other. So he says, uh, enemy, worship and serve him with your whole heart and, willing, and a willing mind. Serve him with your whole, worship and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. Boy, that's scary, isn't it? He knows what? Every plan and thought. If you seek him, you'll find him. But if you forsake him, he'll reject you forever. This is God. This is David talking, amen, to his son Solomon here. Solomon had a great responsibility to set the example and obey the law of the Lord. Now, guys, a whole heart. Look at what it says. It's serving with your whole heart. A whole heart. Or as the KJV says, a perfect heart means a heart that's wholly dedicated to the Lord, one that's not divided. Go to James 1, verse 5 through 8. James chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. Here's what I'm afraid of. In this day and age that we're living in now, and as we come through this COVID uh, pandemic, here's what I've I've sensed that even in the body of Christ, there is not that passion or intimacy to connect with God at a deeper level like it used to be in days gone by. I've discovered that professed believers are okay with kind of the separation that they've gotten accustomed to. And, and, and what I've been trying to do as your pastor is to encourage each one of us in here to don't, don't, don't fall prey to that mindset of saying, I'm good by myself. We need to connect to draw strength from one another. Are y'all with me today? And, and, and I've also discerned that, that, that in this day and age that we're living in now, people don't know how to persevere. In other words, here's my word again. We trip out and we wig out over the most mundane things. And you go back and watch the early church. If you really want to see some warriors standing in faith, go back and study the book of Acts and see what all the early church went through for their faith. And now we upset because they didn't talk to me at the meeting. They passed by me and didn't speak. Uh, I ain't got no friend. Wake up! 
God says it's time for us to stand tall in faith and learn how to persevere. I'm not saying things won't come to your life, but learn how to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. God needs some strong warriors who are willing to say, listen, uh, I, I'm, God, I'm standing for you. I'm following your direction. Uh, I'm, I'm walking with you. And when I walk with you, I know persecution is going to come because the Bible says all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So if you ain't going through something, maybe you ain't moving with God. If the Bible is true, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And that persecution is coming because they're living godly in Christ Jesus, not because they did something stupid. Because how many of y'all have ever went through something because you did, you did stupid before? I'm raising my hand. Am I the only one who's willing to admit that you've done stupid before? And I can't, you know, as a matter of fact, the Bible says that I'm, I don't have time to go to the scripture right now. It says, let, you know, if, if, you, if you face the persecution, let it not be because you did something sinful and wrong or something that was unwise. Let it be because you are standing in faith and you, and you know what God has told you and you're not going to move because trouble comes. I've told you before and I said again, when you're on the road that God has put, placed you on, then that's when the enemy comes to try to knock you off. And he'll bring everything to discourage you from following God's revealed plan for your life. Okay? Now watch what James says here. Because what David does is David uh, talks about, uh, tells his son Solomon to serve God with a, a whole, your whole heart or with a perfect heart, the KJV says. Listen to what James says. Ready, read. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Look at the next verse. It says this. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in what? God alone. Make sure that your faith is not in your monetary possessions. Make sure your faith is not in your family. Make sure your faith is in what? He said it. I didn't. Your faith is in what? God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that's blown and tossed by the wind. I submit to you that many sitting in our churches today have divided loyalty. They're, they're unstable. They're unsettled. Got divided loyalty. Tossed by the wind. Still trying to hold one foot in the world and other foot in Christ. Still want to party drink. Cuss fuss, carry unforgiveness, and then want to pray to the Lord. I submit to you, divided loyalties, it doesn't work. Such people should not expect to receive what? Well, who are these such people? Back up. Let's back up. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person where divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea. Have y'all ever been to the ocean and saw the waves? How, the, how waves are, are constantly moving and it's not settled. He says the divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Now he says, such people, those who, who like the waves, you know, unstable, in and out, up and down, all around like a seesaw or whatever, Okay, whatever, whatever you are, God, 
God is looking for people who are steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So we ought to be able to look at your life and say, that's some, that's, that person is steady. I see them continually stand with God, even though they face death in their family, even though they had divorce, even though they went through some, some sickness in their body, they're still standing strong and they're not giving up. They're not turning loose their faith. And we got to learn how to do that. We got to persevere. Such people should not expect to see, receive anything from the Lord. Verse 8, their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are what? Unstable in everything that they do. Now, guys, we don't want to be unstable. So a whole heart means that, that, that I'm totally and wholly dedicated to the Lord. David admonished Solomon to be strong, and he would do it a third time before he finished talking to him in this, in this discourse of scripture. If leadership is faithful to the Lord and trusting in him, God is going to bring success into the life of that leader and those who he's leading. If we are faithful to the Lord and trusting in him. Now, the third, third point, David conv- conveys his gifts for the project. Look at verses 11 through 21. David, we're going to see David now leading by example, guys. David conveys his gifts for this project, the temple that God had, had, had ordained to be built. The first gift uh, was a written plan for the temple and its furnishings. A written plan for the temple and its furnishings. David reminded Solomon that these plans were not suggestions from the Lord. They were a divine commission. God divinely commissioned it. And if God gives you a plan, follow that plan. Look at it right quick. Uh, look at the 11th verse here of First Chronicles chapter number 28. Watch this. Then David gave Solomon the plans for the temple and its surroundings, including the entry room. Now notice the detail that God goes into, including the entry room, the storerooms, the upstairs room, the inner rooms, and the inner sanctuary, which was the place of atonement. Next verse says this. David also gave Solomon all the plans he had in mind for the courtyards of the Lord's temple, the outside rooms, the treasuries, and the rooms for the gifts dedicated to the Lord. Next verse says, the king also gave Solomon the instructions concerning the work of the various divisions of priests and the Levites in the temple of the Lord, and he gave specifications for the items in the temple that were to be used for worship. David gave instructions regarding how much gold and silver should be used to make the items needed for service. He told Solomon the amount of gold needed for the gold lampstands and the lamps and the amount of silver for the silver lampstands and the lamps, depending on how each would be used. He designated the amount of gold for the table on which the bread of the presence will be placed and the amount of silver for other tables. Look at this. David also designated the amount of gold for the solid gold meat hooks used to handle the sacrificial meat and for the basins, the pitchers, and dishes, as well as the amount of silver for every dish. Look at it again. Next verse says what? He designated the amount of refined gold for the altar of incense. Finally, he gave him a plan for the Lord's chariot, the gold cherubim whose wings were stretched out over the ark of the Lord's covenant. Next verse says, every part of this plan, David told Solomon, was given to me in writing from the hand of the Lord. So God gives David the plan. He just doesn't allow him to build it. Hello? He gives David the plan, but it doesn't allow him to build it. And guys, sometimes in our lives, God will give us the plan. He'll give us the, the, the blueprint. And, and as we are faithful to that, 
sometimes we, we get to build it and sometimes somebody's coming behind us to build. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for, the, for those who came before me 33 years before I got here. Amen. I'm thankful for those who built the foundation that enables us to still move forward in faith today. I am very appreciative of that, okay? Because what they did, had they not started this ministry, I may not be here today. Can I get a witness? So he says, every part of his plan was given to me in writing from the hand of the Lord. Verse 20 and 21. Then David continued, be strong and courageous and do what? Be strong and courageous and what? Be strong and courageous and what? Now, guys, hear me carefully. As a, as a member of this body of faith or whatever church that you're listening to me today, it's, it's, it's good to be strong and courageous, but you also got to do the work. One of the things that, that, that's, that's been uh, percolating in, our, in my spirit for the longest is, is us doing the work of being a ministry that's, that's intricately involved in outreach. Taking our message of faith to the community at large. And that means that we got to do the work. So I want you to think about yourself right now, okay? Think about yourself. Over the last, even, even pre, prior pandemic and after we, we started back meeting, how much, think about this for a second, what have you done in working the plan of God for your life since over the last two or three years? What have you done outside of being here on Sunday? Think about it for a second. What have you done outside of being here on Sunday? You got to answer that question for yourself. Many of y'all minister at your workplace, and many of y'all minister in your neighborhood. Uh, many of y'all minister to your family, but many aren't doing very much outside of coming on Sunday. I thank God that you're here on Sunday. But my job as your pastor is not is not is not to let you sit down and rest a little while. We're gonna rest when we get a glorified body, uh, you know, that, that won't have any more pain, no more heartache. Then and, and we'll we'll be able to to move with God in the heavenlies, uh, you know. We'll be energized then. But listen, spend your energy now while you got time. Don't, don't, he said, be strong and courageous and do what? Do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. He will see to it that all the work related to the temple of the Lord is finished correctly. Let me tell you something. When you follow the Lord leading and do what he asks you to do, God is responsible for completing the work, not with our help, but we got to do the work. Look at the neighbor and say, neighbor, let's do the work. Look at the one on the other side and say, neighbor, let's do the work. That's what he told him. He will see to that all the work related to the temple of the Lord is finished correctly. Verse 21, finished correctly. The various divisions, the priests and Levites will serve in the temple of God. Others with skills of every kind will volunteer and the officials and the entire nation are at your command. That's critical. He's telling them, Solomon, the entire nation is going to be at your command. Solomon, you're going to have people who are prepared to do the work. So, so the first gift was a written plan. Uh, second gift was another word of encouragement to strengthen Solomon, Solomon's will and his faith. That's, that was in verse number 21. The, the third gift was a people prepared to work with him and complete the project. Let me tell y'all something. What really moves the heart of a pastor, and I'm, I'm talking about this pastor right here. What really moves my heart is when I hear you all testify of the fact that something that we taught, you took it and you did it. And you saw the Lord move because you followed what was taught. 
in the Word of God. It wasn't Doyle Adams' Word, but it's the Word of God. And when you take that and you begin to implement that, you become doers of the Word and not what? Hearers only, deceiving your own self. So one of the things that God, God told me is, is never let this church rest on what has gone on in the past. You know, God has blessed us tremendously, but he wants to do ex- exponentially more through this body of faith here at EBC. And that means it's going to require all of us to be willing to do the work. Not just learn it, not just study it, but be doers of it. Like I tell you before, it's, it's one thing to say, oh, well, uh, uh, I, I love everybody until everybody starts coming into your life. It's one thing to say we welcome everybody until everybody starts coming. Somebody who, 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 who maybe got long hair and tattoos, now they show up, you're like, hmm. Let's go over there and serve them. But, 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 but pastor, you know, it, we don't want them coming here. What's wrong with you? If you notice Jesus, I, I read this a couple of weeks ago. Jesus even went, went to Zacchaeus' house. The religious leaders were upset and they, 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 were, they were steaming mad because he went to eat with a notorious sinner. What's the last time you engaged with somebody who's not saved? Somebody who, who in the community think that you, the, uh, the religious establishment think that you shouldn't deal with this person. I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus wants us to go to the world and share his love with the world. It's easy to talk to other Christians about the Lord Jesus Christ, but how confident are you in sharing your faith with somebody who's not saved? What about that co-worker who's never professed Jesus Christ, that co-worker that nobody can stand? Maybe you're on assignment to minister to him or to minister to her. Are you willing to do the work? God called for all of us to do the work. So, so third gift, a people prepared to work for him. It does the pastor's heart good when people are prepared to do the work and they, they initiated and do it. The fourth gift was his, his, his own store of wealth he had accumulated for the building of the temple he gave to them. So, so let's skip down to the next one. So he gave his own, out of his own personal wealth. So, so, so some things here, I was, Brother Craig uh, uh, was, was talking to me about it and shared some of this with me. And I said, man, I'm going to preach that. The heart of generosity is on display here in this 29th chapter. Go to the 29th chapter of Second, Second Chronicles. The heart of generosity on display. If, if, if you're operating in the spirit of generosity, it will show up in your lifestyle. Watch the text here. First thing we see is David gave God the resources of Israel. Look, look, at, look at this 29th chapter, verse 1 and 2. Let's read together. It says, then King David turned to the entire assembly and said, my son Solomon, whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. Now stop right here. Some of y'all would have left right here. Because you would have said, well, well what, about, what about John over there? What about, what about Bill over there? He's been there for 30 years. And you mean to tell me, what about Jojo over here? He's been at the company for 15 years. How come he didn't get the supervisor role? Have you watched Jojo work? Has Jojo showed leadership? Everybody know he's lazy, but you want him to get the job because he's been there for 15 years. Here's what I like about God. God does not use longevity as a criteria to point to leadership. He wants the one who's anointed to do the job, the one he chose. The Bible says here, my son Solomon, whom God has clearly chosen, clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced, even though he's been clearly chosen. See, when you're chosen, you still got some work to do. 
But the fact that he was inexperienced and young did not negate the fact that God chose him. The work ahead of him is enormous for the temple he will build is not for mere mortals. It is for the Lord God himself. Look at verse number two, guys. Let's read. It says what? Using every resource at my command, I have gathered as much as I could for building the temple of my God. Now there's enough gold, silver, bronze, iron, and wood, as well as great quantities of onyx, other precious stones, costly jewels, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. So David, number one, David gave God the resources of Israel. He took the, the resources from the kingdom of Israel, the nation, uh, and, and used those to make available to build a temple. The second thing was David gave of his own personal wealth. Okay? See, never, you can't take somebody to a place that you're not willing to go yourself. I know some pastors who teach tithing and offering, they're not even tithing. See, listen, as a leader, you got to be willing to do the work yourself too, not just point. I don't mind, and God knows, and I have to watch myself, I don't mind picking up tables. I don't mind going, moving chairs. I don't, I, if something needs to be done, let's get it done. Titles don't mean nothing to me. I told y'all that before. I want, and God wants people who are willing to do the work. David gave of his own person. Look at verse number three. Let's read together. It says what? And now, because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I am giving all of my own private treasures of what? Gold and silver to help in the construction. This is in addition to the building materials I've already collected for his holy temple. So he had already given the, the, the nation's wealth and now he's coming out of his own pocket. One of the things I told you before is one, Marera and I have, 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 have been consistent givers of tithes and offering for, for the, the 37 years we've been married. Uh, and and we, we do it because we've seen the faithfulness of God. First of all, it's right because God's word tells us to do, but we also seen the faithfulness in, in, in the hand of God in blessing us tremendously. Are we where we want to be? No, we're not where we want to be. But, but thank God we're not where we used to be. How many of y'all say, God, I thank you. I'm not where I used to be. God is faithful. And so, but if we're going to ask you and, 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 and exhort you to do it, we got to be willing to do it ourselves. And we do it not, not grudgingly, not out of obligation, but we do it out of a spirit of generosity because we know what the hand of the Lord would do in our life when we obedient to his word. So he gave of his own personal wealth. Third, the third point I want you to make, look, make, make a note of is the leaders supported the work of the ministry by their own giving. Not only did David give, but the rest of the leaders gave. See, if you're going to be in leadership, you got to do this stuff too. How are you going to be in leadership and you're not supporting the work of the ministry yourself? All right? The leaders supported the work of the ministry by their own giving. You got to be willing to, to, to lead out. I, 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 I said before, uh, most people would rather see a sermon any day than hear one. They want to see the sermon or the, the words that you're saying. They want to see it lived out in your life. And when we start living this stuff, people will begin to see uh, the love of God on the inside of us. It'll have kingdom impact. So the leaders support the work of the ministry by their own giving. Fourth thing is the people rejoice over the leaders' attitudes toward giving. Go back to verse number six right quick. Go back to verse number six. Watch this. And we're going down to verse number nine. Six says, then the family leaders 
the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals and the captains of the army and the kings, the administrative officers, all gave. How did they give? That word willingly has an L-Y on the end. That's a what? Adverb that tells you how you give. God wants you to give how? Willingly. Now, remember what I told you. It's not about the amount of money that you give. It's because the, the, the Macedonian church was very poor, but they, they abounded in rich generosity. You got to understand something here. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. I, I, just, just make a note of this right quick. Just, just make a note of this, and this is not on your notes, but understand this. The fact that God owns everything and we're his stewards is a, is a, is a, is a blessed truth. But the deeper issue is trust. This whole thing about a spirit of generosity is about trust. It's a relational issue. Everybody say relational. See, God is trying to get us to trust him. And he knows if you have a spirit of generosity, if you're willing to sow when he says sow, if you're willing to give when he says give, if you're willing to, 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 to uh, get your time, uh, uh, give your time, talent, and resources to him, he knows that you trust him. And that's what he's trying to do, get us to trust him. When we learn how to trust in the Lord with all the heart and lean out to our own understanding, always acknowledge him, he will direct our path. When we learn to do that, God can do exponential things in our lives. So the people, uh, the leaders support the work of the ministry. The people rejoice over the leader's attitude. Look, look at the next verse. It's what? For the construction of the temple of God, they gave about 188, 188 tons of gold, 10,000 gold coins, 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, and 3,000 tons of iron. That's a lot, a lot, a lot that's going to this building, this temple. Look at the next verse. It says what? They also contributed numerous precious stones which were deposited in the treasury of the house of the Lord under the care of Jehiel, a descendant of Gershon. Now, how many of y'all would be willing to take off your wedding ring and say, okay, use this to put into the temple? Some of y'all that here, Pastor, you can have it. I've been wanting to do that anyhow. I, you missed the point. You missed the point. But how many of y'all will be willing to sacrifice so that the work of the Lord can move forward? Verse 9, watch this. The people did what? Rejoice over the offerings. For they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord, and King David was filled with joy. The people rejoiced over the leaders' attitudes toward God. They gave willingly, guys. And lastly, David praises God in front of everyone for the things God has done for Israel. Look at verse 10. I'm going to stop here, guys. I want you all to hear me carefully. The spirit of generosity is so needed in the time and the culture that we're living in. There is so much vitriol and hatred and division uh, in our communities on the political stage. And God is looking for a people who are willing to work together, to be good stewards of your time, your talents, your resources, in, in advancing kingdom principles. Look at what he says here. Then David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. O Lord, the God of our ancestors Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. 
David the leader praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. When you see me raising a hand, when you see me crying, don't, you, don't feel sorry for me. It ain't because I'm sad, it's because I'm happy. Are y'all with me? These are tears of joy. Amen? Because God has been good to me. He's been good to this church congregation. He's been good to many of us in here. All of us in here because he saved you. Look at what it says. Watch this. Says, next verse says what? Uh, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on the earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Let's go, guys. He says, wealth and honor come from you alone. Is that what he says? For you rule over everything. Remember what he said in Deuteronomy, thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that gives thee the power to get wealth. If God gave them the power to get wealth, why is it evil to get wealth? He gave them wealth so that, in Deuteronomy says, so he may establish his covenant. God blesses us so we can help establish his covenant to get his word out, to, to promote the kingdom agenda. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything, power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. At your discretion. Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Next verse says, but who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you and we give you only what you gave, you first gave us. If you have that mindset and mentality, ain't nothing I got belongs to me. God gave it to me, so I'm just giving it back to him. Next verse says what? Let's read. We are here for only a moment, visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow. How many of you know life is brief? Gone so soon without a trace. But it says, oh Lord, our God, even this material we have gathered to build a temple to honor your holy name comes from you. It all belongs to you. Next verse says what? I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there. That's what he's after, integrity in your heart. See, what you do with your monetary resources indicates what kind of integrity you have in your heart. I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there. You know I have done all this with good motives. Why do you do what you do? What's the why behind your what? Why do you serve? Do you serve so, so, so people say, oh, look at them. Look at them. Oh, they're so spiritual. Or do you serve because God told you to do it and you're blessing somebody and you don't care if your name is called? You know I've done all this with good motives and I've watched over your people. Well, I, I watch your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. Now watch this last verse. It says what? Oh Lord, the God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, in Israel, make your people always want to obey you. See to it that their love for you never changes. Now guys, as I close, the heart of generosity was on display in this 29th chapter. The leaders gave. The king gave. The king rejoiced. They showed that they were given willingly because they trusted God and they wanted God's plan to be revealed in the earth realm. What about you? The spirit of generosity is something that we have to take hold of and say, I'm willing, God, to do whatever you ask me to do. Jesus gave his life so that you and I could be in a position to where we can we can, we can reflect the agape love of God in our life. Are you willing to operate like your father who created you in a spirit of generosity? Are you willing to give generously 
and willingly and rejoice as a result of it. God is watching our hearts because it's a matter of trust, guys. Neighbor hit body by clothes.